Praise the Lord. Well, turn with me to John chapter 10. Continuing on, I think this is the seventh week, seventh in a series, Hearing the Voice of God. I, uh, it was going to be a single sermon, and it has turned into a full-fledged series. And uh, we've been kind of having some hit and miss. We've had a special minister last week, uh, Pastor Greg Moore. Did you folks enjoy that? Did he? Yeah. It's good to have him here, and and uh, so I didn't preach last week, but this week I thought, well, I'm going to finish it up this week, and then as I wrote this week, I'm not finishing up this week. It just, it's not going to happen. So, uh, but I've been starting out in John chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, uh, in this series, uh, my, the series is My Sheep Hear My Voice, and then uh, we've been talking different ways of hearing the voice of God. And John chapter 10, beginning with verse 24, says, So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. You know, it's possible that God can speak to you, but you don't believe it. There's actually a, a verse, and I believe it's in James, that says if you ask for something, believe you're actually going to receive the answer. Because if you don't believe you're going to receive the answer, well, it doesn't do you any good. He can talk all he wants, but if you don't believe it, well, they didn't believe it. <clears throat> they didn't want to believe it. They didn't want to believe that he was the Christ. They didn't want to believe that the Messiah had come because they were afraid that if they were to acknowledge that, that it, they would somehow lose their authority. And isn't that kind of the way we are? I'll just be honest with you. I'll, I'll talk about the way I am. And if it fits you, which it does, but if it fits you, <laughs> you know, God says something, and if it's not what I want to hear, then I, you know, I mean, I'm, la, 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 you know, I don't want to. I don't want to have to be responsible for that because if I hear God saying something, then I'm responsible for it. You know, a lot of people think they can go through life and God is just in control. God has everything under control. God has, you know, yes, God has everything under control, but it, it takes our responsibility, our obeying Him for the will of God to be done on the earth. You know, God is going to get, you know, you know the Bible will be completely fulfilled. It will. The, the Bible will be completely fulfilled with us or without us. It's our choice whether we're going to cooperate with him and for the will of God to be fulfilled. You know, the, the, uh, the world is full of people who are doing their own thing. What God needs is some people to do their His thing. Not my will be done, but yours. So Lord, what are you saying to me? What? You want me to do that? Okie dokie. Well, here we go. And that's faith. That's, that's obedience. Well, they didn't want to hear, so they weren't listening. They, were, they had their fingers in their proverbial... Proverbial, <laughs> proverbial ears going la, 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 la. Every time he healed somebody, every time he spoke. I mean, man, when, when he spoke, they knew he was the Christ. They, you know, 
Like I said a couple of weeks ago, Nicodemus came to him and says, well, we know who you are. You know, we know what you're doing here. How do, we, how do we get a part of this? He says, you must be born again. La, 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 la. You know, we don't know how Nicodemus ended. You know, did he, did he listen? We don't know. It doesn't say that. But they didn't listen. If he took it back to them and said, they go, what did he say? How do we become a part of this? He says, we have to start over. We have to begin new. We have to repent of our sin. We have to become new. We have to become born again. La, 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 la. Well, because if I start new, does that mean that I lose everything that I've done so far? Yes. Because what you've done so far stinks. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how faithfully. Doesn't matter how many times you come to church. How many times, how much money you give in the That has nothing to do with anything. What it has to do with is your heart, your heart to obey God, to, to put, make Him the Lord, everybody say Lord, Lord. of your life. Lord. He's, he's got to be the Lord. He wants to be the Lord. Why? Because He knows that if, you, if you're in charge of your life, so as soon as you say, okay, I give up, how do you, how do you become born again? You know, like Nicodemus says, do I go back into my mom? Weird. No. How do you become? You say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. And that takes humility. To say, I, I, I've been doing it wrong. You know, repentance. Repentance isn't telling somebody everything you've ever done wrong, because God knows everything you've ever done wrong. Repentance is saying, I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to live for Him from this day forward. You walk away from those sins. You walk away from those, those habits, whatever is, is tearing you down. And you walk away from that and you walk towards Him and say, you get to be Lord from this day forward. Now how does that happen? Does it happen in, a, in an altar call? Well, it can. Of course it can. Man, I, I think I went to dozens of altar calls as a kid. But when it, when it stuck is when I was in my room all by myself and I was reading the Bible and I realized I had messed up big time. I realized that I had been doing things my way and I was a mess. And if I continued to go in my own direction, I was going to die in my sin and go to hell. When I realized that, I repented. I said, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me of my sin. And I turned around and I looked, I went away from that. I went to Him. That doesn't mean I did everything perfect. It just means I said, from now on, you get to be Lord and help me. Help me, because I can't do it right all the time. After 35 years, I still can't do it always the right. I'd love to, but I, you know, there's times where I, you know, I'm human. But that His blood covers that. But it's still a heart change. How do you know? When, when are you born again? When your heart changes, when you change, and your desire is no longer for the things of this world, but it's, it's Him. And when I say things of this world, I'm not talking about motorcycles. Thing, you know, motorcycles are part of this world, but they're, they're awesome. Fishing. Fishing. You know, I'm not saying, well, you know, you have to give up fishing. No. You might have to give up the Packers. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, that, that I could see, you know, but. It's been a while. It's been a while. I had to. It was, it was right there. It was a low-hanging fruit. I just grabbed it. 
But how do you make that? When do you make that choice? You make that choice right now. You can do it right now, right in front of everybody. You don't have to have the music playing. You don't have to ask me. You know, I don't have to ask you up front. You can say in your heart, God, I'm so sorry. I repent. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Whatever you tell me to do, however you want me to live, I'm in. Well, the first thing he tells you to do is to get baptized. You know, you get, well, wait a second. What do you mean get baptized? You get put underwater. That's weird. Yeah, it is. But it's an obedience thing. It's about making him Lord. And then you just do whatever he tells you to do. He tells you to, to, to know him. How do you know him? You read the word. You hang out with people who know him. And you learn, you learn from them who he is. But that's, that's what this is all about. This isn't about coming to church. It's about, it's about knowing him. Because at the end, you know, Jesus told the parable how he says at the end, they, they, they were trying to get in and he says, I, I go away from me. I don't know. I've never known you. I don't know you. None of that was in my sermon, but it is now. So God speaks. We've been talking about how God speaks. Number one, what's the number one way God speaks? Through the Bible. Through the Bible. Through the Bible. Through the Bible. You can forget about everything else I say today, but don't because it's really good. But if you don't remember anything else, read your Bible. Because if you leave here and never come back here, if you never see me again, if you never hear another sermon, but you read your Bible every day, you're going to know Him. You can, go to, you can go to a bunch of other churches. You can go to, there's tons of churches in the valley. There's tons of churches in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and America, the world. All kinds of churches that are teaching the Bible. And then there's some that are not. And you'll know the difference. Because the moment you walk in and you hear what they're saying, you're going, that's not in the Bible. Or that's in the Bible, but that's not what it means. Who are you? Who do you think you are? You read the Bible, you read the Bible, you hear God's voice, you hear it as, that is where you're going to hear it the plainest and the clearest. Every time you pick it up. Now you might pick it up and you might read and it's dry. Anybody ever read the Bible and it's just dry? It's like blah, 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 blah. Wait a second, did he just say blah, blah, blah about the Bible? Yes, there are parts of the Bible that's like, and the filigree that is around the uh, corner post of the, of the curtain hanging thing, make sure it's a pomegranate and make sure it's gold. Who cares? That's interior design. That's not me. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And so-and-so begat so-and-so and begat, begat, and they begatted, and then they begatted some more, and blah, 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 blah. Take the off-wall out of the camp, bury it, you know, off-wall. It's another, it's a nice word for poop. <laughs> this part of the sermon's for kids. You know the Bible talks about, you know the Bible talks about poop? It does, because it's just real. I have a friend whose favorite verse in the Bible was, take the off-wall out of the camp and bury it. Away from the camp because I walk amongst you in the camp. <laughs> it's a great verse. God's going to walk among them. Doesn't want to see it. You know, <laughs> take it out there. All right. I'm sorry. I'm in a mood today. The Bible. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is the word, and it always has been, always will be. And somebody goes, well, I don't believe it. Well, good luck. There is only one way unto him. 
And that's through Jesus, who is the Word. He is the Word. The Word, whenever you're reading the Word, the Bible, you're reading about Him, about God. It's just just telling us from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And if you go, well, I don't believe it, well... Sorry, that's that's the only that's the only answer I have. I thought I had somebody think they they stumped me one time. They said, "Well, the Bible is not the word of God. It's just a man-made book and somebody a bunch of old guys wrote it and I don't believe it." And I was like, "Okay. Sorry. That's where all my answers come from." Yeah. I'm I'm be- I'm betting my eternity that that's true. It's not even much of a bet because I know it's true. Because he's changed me. He's, he's, I, see, I see the evidence of him. But you need to be in the Bible. doesn't matter what anybody else says. doesn't matter what I say. I, I've told uh, uh, many people in Bible studies, read your own Bible. Because if I ever start teaching something that's wrong, you need to know. Because we're all fallible. We're all people. You need to know. God needs to be speaking to you. The Bible. Then we talked for weeks. It seems like weeks on about the still small voice. Hearing that still small voice, following peace, following the peace of God as he leads. Hearing that, so you know, it's not, it's not going to be Dave. Is there a Dave here today? Well, this is for you. Dave, sell the Pontiac and buy the whatever. Harley. Okay, yes. <laughs> Dave. It's Dave. No, it's not. <laughs> Very seldom is it a thou saith me, you know, from, from heaven. I know people that have heard the voice of God. That's awesome. I haven't. But I've heard the still small voice all the time. All the time. I'm always, God's always speaking to me. He's always leading me and guiding me. And that's awesome. You might think, well, who do you think you are? Hey, his, the Bible says, my sheep will hear my voice and the voice of another they will not follow. Why would we not expect for him to speak to us? To, to, to say, I don't hear the voice of God, I'd be a liar. I'd be like the Pharisees. La, 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 la. No, I just wouldn't believe that when he does speak, I'm hearing him. The still small voice. I can't t- teach it all again. Go back. There's, it's week, two or three weeks about talking about the still small voice. So we finally get to move on today to the third one, which is through other people. Other people. That, you know, so, there are many times when somebody else, when somebody says something to you, and all of a sudden you recognize, wow, that was God. Now, they may know it or they may not know it. They may know it, and are saying it on purpose. And we're going to talk about a bunch of those nuances. But there are times when, when you hear the voice of God through somebody else. Hey, when I stand up here on Sundays, I'm praying that you hear the voice of God through me. That doesn't mean it's my voice. I'm not, the, I'm not God, I'm obviously. My God, Deb? Not even close. <laughs> but I don't even, I don't even presume to be. But there are things that are said that are going to answer questions you have from the throne room of God. Or, or it's going to say something to you and you're going to get convicted of sin. People don't like to talk about that one much. But it's like, it's like whoa, that was God. And we need to hear. That's why you need to be in the, in the Word because you need to be hearing the voice of God. You need to be knowing God. You need to be growing up in Him because there are times when I need to hear the voice of God through you. 
And you're going to say something, and I'm going to go, oh, that was, yeah, I need to listen to that. That was good. But we need to hear the voice of God through other people. The most important thing about hearing the voice of God through other people is to be able to know how to judge it and how to decide, was it the voice of God? Because you'll also have people say things, and they may think it's the voice of God, and it ain't. And you need to know the difference. You need to know what to do with it. All right, so turn. Well, the last one, because I tell you every time, uh, the fourth way, and I've just put it into four categories. You know, there's probably many others. But uh, number four is dreams and other means. There are many other ways how God, and we'll talk about that in weeks to come. But bottom line, the Bible is the ultimate standard. Everything you hear any other way must line up with the Bible. The word, well, turn to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. First Corinthians is right before Second Corinthians. If you're having trouble. First Corinthians twelve, begin with verse four. Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he was talking to them, trying to teach them about how the the Spirit moves among his people. And he's giving some guidelines. The book of Corinthians is fixing some things, but he's also teaching some things. And so 1 Corinthians 12.4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Empowers them all in everyone. This is the most important part. This is not, not the most. It's, it's a very important part. He says there are many gifts, there are many activities, there are many things that God does. The Holy Spirit is wanting to touch this world. He's wanting to touch people. He's wanting to help people. He's wanting to reveal Himself to people. But He needs people to do it. Chapter 12, exactly. <laughs> He's, he wants to use people to do it. And who better than somebody who says, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll say what you tell me to say. I'm in. And so then people who are led by him, he says here, he's going to give you gifts. He's going to give you abilities. And we're going to talk about them. And a few of them here are to speak, to speak for him to other people. But he needs you to do it. But the cool thing is, is it says that in these gifts, he, he is the same God who empowers them all, all the gifts, in two people. Just two people, the pastor and the, uh, the founder of the church. Those are the only two people that God is going to empower. No, that's not what it is. You see, right there you should be saying, that's not in the Bible. Yeah. Eh, thank you, eh. No, it says that He empowers all the gifts in everyone. Everyone. Now, everyone is anyone, everyone who is in Him. Anyone who is a part of the kingdom, who is born again, who is a part of the church, a part of the people. If, if you have decided that He's Lord, you're one of the everyone. 
Now, you notice I didn't say, and if you're filled with the Spirit. No, because I know God can speak through people who are not baptized in the Holy Ghost. I know He, I know he does. But if you want to really walk in power, get baptized in the Holy Ghost. We'll talk about that in short. Not today, but shortly. Because you get filled. I mean, it talks, you know, it says that when, when Jesus rose from the dead and he went into the room where the 12 disciples or 11 disciples were, he walked in there and they were freaked out because he came right through the wall. He said, Touch me. I'm not, I'm not a ghost. He says, But he says, they finally believed. He breathed on them. They believed. And it says that he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So that's how, I believe that was the exact moment the first people got born again was because they believed. And, they, they, and he, they received the Holy Spirit. And then shortly afterwards, he says, okay, that's great, guys, but now don't leave Jerusalem until you're baptized with the Holy Ghost. Because when you're baptized with the Spirit, he says, I'm going to fill you with fire. I'm going to fill you with power. Fill you with power to overflowing. And when you get baptized in the Spirit, you change. I'm just telling you, you change. The disciples changed. Everybody in between now and, and then and now changed. You'll change. I guarantee it. You'll change. What you used to be afraid of, many times you won't be afraid of that anymore. If you're, well, well see, I'm not gonna, I gotta stay here. But it's everyone. It's everyone. Well, God can't use me. Yes, He can. See, if you read your Bible, you know God used the donkey. If he used a donkey, he can use you. If he used me, some of you are getting it, thank you. Not every joke has to be told. If he can use me, he can use you. Trust me. Really. He's just looking for people. That he can go, that can go out into the world and speak what he wants them to speak, and then then people hear the voice of God through you. Yes, it sounds like, but he needs you to speak. But it's through everyone. Everybody say everyone. everyone. Verse seven. To each, there it is again. To each, to each, to each means everyone except women. Thank you. No. To each means everyone except teenagers. To each means everyone except sound guys. But sound guys don't want, they want to be in the back. They don't want to talk about anybody. You know, they're just, they're back here flipping knobs. No, to each means he gives it to everyone. You know, I've heard it, you know, I said it for years, I've heard other people say it, and now I'm hearing it more and more nationally. People are saying this next revival, this revival is not going to be about big names. It's going to be about everyone. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about everyone in the church. It's about everyone speaking. It's about everyone using the gifts. I mean, you know, look what Billy Graham did. Praise God for Billy Graham. Praise God for Oral Roberts. Praise God for, for Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagelin. Praise God for the names, you know, the famous people. But, you know, there's only one of them. And yes, they put them on TV, whatever, you can, see, you can see more. But just think if every single believer would be used by God, be led by Him, 
And everywhere they go, every day. That's what this is all about. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He doesn't empower us. He doesn't give us the Holy Spirit so that I can know, look what I just did. Look what I just said. Touch somebody's life. Yeah, that's me. I've met people like that. I've met people that somehow forgot who they were and that God can use donkeys like them. I've met people who thought it was them who was touching. No, gracious, good night. There was a song sung years ago. I don't remember who the singer was. Somebody will remember here because some of you are old. And it was, if anything here, anything good here happens tonight, it's because of Jesus. If anybody gets saved, if anybody gets healed, if anybody gets set free, if anything, if anything good happens here, it's because of Him. The Bible says that when we get to heaven, when everything's done we, and we're judged, that we're going to receive crowns for what we did. Isn't that amazing? You know, some of us are going to have one crown. Some of you will have 50 crowns. You know, isn't that amazing to be able to walk around heaven forever with these big crowns? Look, oh, look what I... No! It says as soon as you get them, what do we do? We throw them back at His feet. Amen. They're His. We get who we are. I get who I am. I can't do squat. But it's for the common good. It's for what His plan is, for His purpose. So if God uses you to say something to somebody, it's, to, it's for their good. When somebody shares something, if, if, I, if I got up here, I, I have a choice every day. When I get up here to preach, I can, I can say whatever I want-ish. I mean, i got to say what He says. I mean, that's my heart. But I could get up here and say anything I want. I could get up and yell at you. I could yell at you and chew you out for being a bunch of lazy sinners. Yeah. How could God even love you? Well, see, that I can't even barely say that without wanting to spit. Because that ain't true. He loves you. And He wants to use you. So what, what he's, when, when, when we're speaking the Word, when, when you hear the voice of God, you know, it shouldn't come out as, God has forsaken you. I know I've heard people say that stuff too. God, God has forsaken this city. No, He hasn't. He loves this. He loves this town. He loves you. It's for the common good. Now, that doesn't mean He doesn't speak truth. I had, I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I'm not about to tell you the whole story. I was in a meeting one time and a woman got up and was, was ministering. Yeah, a woman got up and was ministering. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Speaking. And, she, and it was the voice of God through her. And she, she told a story. She didn't know me from anybody. still doesn't know me. She doesn't even know I was there. As far as I know, she doesn't even know I was there. She starts telling this story. And the longer she told the story, the more convicted I got about a sin in my life. She, would, she was just telling a story. She, would, she had no idea. She wasn't looking at me going, telling us. No, she's just telling a story. And the whole time, I'm going, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I was convicted of my sin. 
but it's for my good. You know, it's not to separate me from God. It's not to push me away from God. It's to draw me to Him, to, to get sorted out, get the things sorted out of my life, whatever it is. I was preaching one time years ago, and I was a, there was a young man. He was sitting right about in that area over there. And I'm preaching. I'm talking about Abraham. I'm just talking about how Abraham was going. went into Egypt, and that is, is what they want. You know, the, the the Pharaoh of Egypt wanted his wife, and that uh, that he uh, that that he lied to save his own life. And right about that time, this guy went and then jumped and ran out the back door. I was like, "Wow, that was interesting." I had no idea. I mean, I'm trying to put two and two together. What did I just say that made him run out the back door? I have no idea. I still don't know. I know the guy now. He's not here. Don't worry about it. Don't look at somebody and go, that was you? (laughs) He's not here. But he came back the next week and he says, he goes, I need to talk to you. And I was like, okay, yeah. It's before we had security. I need to talk to you. I said, yeah, what's up? And he goes, man, you scared the blank out of me last week. He wasn't saved yet. He goes, you scared the blank out of me. I said, how did I do that? And he goes, you said this, this, and this. And God spoke to me in that moment. What do I have to do? It's for the common good. It's for the common good. It's to help people. Verse 8. For to one is given the spirit of the utterance or speaking of wisdom. To another the utterance, the speaking of knowledge, according to the same spirit. I'm going to teach on that in the sometime in the summer. I'm going to get back to this. This is kind of a heads up, a preliminary, but we're not going to go into the depth of that. But the utterance of wisdom, or the, the word, the other in the King James, I believe it says the word of wisdom, and the other the word of knowledge, according to the same spirit. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Number 10, or verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, which are also words, they're just spoken in a different language, to another the interpretation of tongues, that word spoken in a different language. All these, verse 11, all these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one, say each one, as He wills. As He, He should be capitalized. He is He. As He wills. Because, you know, some people think, well, I have the, apparently He has given me the gift of faith and that's all I'll ever get. No. Those gifts right there are as He wills. At one moment, he'll, he could give you the spirit of faith. And then what is faith? It isn't what you think. I mean, it's, if, you've, if you've studied it out, you've heard it taught you know, from, from, our, you know, from this church's point of view, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're going, I don't know, it's not just faith. It's the kind of faith that raises the dead. It's the kind of faith that does the impossible. Things that are just, I mean, there's miraculous, but there's also a faith that has to rise up within somebody to do the thing that God's calling you to do that you can't make up yourself. You can't do it. It just is there. I've had that faith. I've, had, I've been in a situation and all of a sudden I knew exactly what to do and I just, we, we moved forward and we did it and it was like, whoa, where did that come from? Well, that's God. 
for the common good. Miracles, working of miracles. Well, I, I'll never work with I'll never work a miller. I don't know how to work a miracle. Neither do I. But I've seen miracles happen. I've seen instantaneous healings. Miracles. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, spoken words that mean something to somebody. That that have power to them because they're the word of God. He empowers you to do that. We just need to know how to do it. But it's not even that I want to talk about today. I'm using those verses to, to outline that there are times when God uses people to speak. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy. But we need to know what to do with prophecy. Because I'm talking about hearing the voice of God. When somebody gives you a word, you need to know what to do with it. Because it may be God, it may not be God. Or it may be God, and neither that person or you has any idea what it means. Why would God give you a word? Why would God speak something to you that makes no sense at all? And it just, where did that come from and what does it mean? Well, you're going to find out here in about five minutes. Because I have a very special surprise for you this morning. Yeah, but I'm not telling you what it is for five minutes. So you're going to have to pay attention for five more minutes. And I'm also, I'm also giving the person who's going to share something five minutes to breathe and get ready because they're going to share something. But you, don't, you, you might hear something from God and you have no idea. Why would He do that? It's because it's for your good. It's for the common good. It's for you. He's want, God wants to help you and He needs to tell you something that you need to know. Number one, a couple of rules. Number one is that prophetic words, God, there are people, there, there are many times I've received prophetic words. Maybe you have received prophetic words. Or you don't know if you've ever heard a, had somebody give you a prophetic word. Something that, that is spoken to you from God to, to help you do something. But that there's, a, there's some things that you need to remember when you hear that, that word of God. You need some, you, number one, that the prophetic word needs to help and encourage you. It needs to help and encourage you. And then also, it does not lead you. That's really important. What does that mean? Number one, if, if, uh, if uh, somebody walks in here and just pulls somebody random out of the, out of the crowd, Ron, Ron. And uh, so, I, you know, the, the, somebody stands up, or maybe they come to you in, the, in, you know, in the hallway, and they say, "God just gave me a word for you, Ron. You need to sell everything. You need to sell everything you own and follow God." Okay, Ron. His, I mean, I'm just using him as an example. His heart just started beating faster <laughs> because of it. I'm telling you, it's not. I, maybe unless it is, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I personally have, I have no reason to believe that it is, but be it done into your, you know, according to your faith. But if, if I walked up to him or if somebody walked up to you and said, you need to do this, and you're going inside, you're going, where did that come from? I've never heard that before. Or number two, no, because that's possible. And that no may not even be you being stubborn. It may actually be the Holy Spirit saying, don't listen to that goofball. Not that goofball, this goofball. Don't. It needs to bear witness with your spirit, remember? Is the first part there, sell everything you have and follow me? That's actually in the Bible. 
But if, it, if everyone sold everything and followed him, many of us would be hungry. Some of us have to go to work tomorrow. So some of you have to go to work tomorrow. But it has to be, it, it's whatever it is, if, it's, if it doesn't make sense to Ron, if he just sits there and he goes, I don't know what that means, then the number one thing you do is, what, what, what I call, what many people call, you put it on a shelf. What does that mean? That means you go, okay, that, okay thank you for that word. I'm going to put that up here, and we'll see what happens with it. I'm not going to dwell on it. I don't think about it every day. I've had people say things to me that made, they're just like, man, I, I don't know what you're talking about, but thank you, you know? And then years later, I'm doing the very thing. So yeah, way back, way, way back, I had just come back to the Lord, just started living with Him. I was on a mission trip. And I'm, in, I'm sitting in the back seat of a van and there's an 80-year-old woman sitting next to me. And I can't tell you the whole story, but this 80-year-old lady, we're, we're on the same mission team. And I, when I saw her, she was on the mission team, I was bummed because I thought, I'm going to be carrying her luggage all week. I'm going to be helping her in and out of the van Gee, many Christmas. Wow, man, this is going to be... I want to be with the young team. But I wasn't. I was stuck with her. I had an attitude. And guess what I did all week long? I helped her in and out of the van. And I carried her bags for her. Mainly because the Lord said, do it and have a good attitude. Fine. We hung out that week. That woman, she, her, her lifestyle, her actions humbled me to the ground. Humbled me. That woman knew God better, whew, better than maybe I ever will. It's powerful. Someday in heaven, she's gonna walk up and go. <laughs> <laughs> but we're in the car. We're driving back to the airport. It's the end of the week. She's sitting next to me. I'm. I'm sitting in the back seat and she's sitting next to me and she's just sitting there and looking out the window and all of a sudden she turns to me and she looks at me and she goes, John, the Lord just spoke to me and He told me, you're going to be a pastor. At that point in my life, pastor was the furthest thing from my, my wants, desires. It, it was so, I would just like anything but a pastor. Anything. I'll go, to the, I'll go on the mission field. I'll go to Bangladesh. I'll go anywhere. Not a pastor. No, I, I laughed at her. I said, <laughs> no. She goes, well, whatever. But she goes, just so you know, that right before you get hired as the pastor, you're going to be going to school uh, mornings and you're going to be working afternoons and then you're going to be driving back and forth. And I went, ha ha, funny, ha ha ha, yeah, old woman. <laughs> what do you know, you know? Whatever, okay. Well, I, I just went, whatever put it on a shelf. Maybe I didn't know what I was doing, but I just I didn't I didn't start looking for Bible schools. I didn't start doing anything. I just started living my life. Had no desire to be a pastor. 6 years later, I'm driving back and forth to school because I was going to school in the morning and I was working at a job in the afternoon and I got a phone call from Pastor Dan saying I'd like to talk to you about hiring you as my youth pastor at our church. <laughs> I just I didn't I didn't start looking to be a youth or a pastor. I just started living my life and look what God did. The word came about. To the point that when he actually we met and he offered me the job, I knew I was going to take it. 
because it was confirmed in my heart. I had, I had prayed about it. I had waited. But what do you do with that word? If it doesn't make sense, you don't do anything with it. Don't be led by it. Just, just wait until you need it. And when you need it, because that's the other thing about a word, a, a prophetic word. When somebody walks up and says, hey, you need to know this, 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 and this, it's because you're going to need to know it. I have a friend, Robin Roberts, Reverend Robin Roberts says, he says, God gives you a word in due season so that it's an anchor for your soul in times of trouble. It's to anchor you. So now, are you ready for your surprise? I am so, so excited because this very, ever, very rarely happens. But my wife, Debbie, is going to come up and share a story. I asked her when I was, when I was talking today, I was, when I knew I was going to be talking about this today, uh, I was like, I was like you, Deb, you need to tell this story. Many people have heard how Ethan was born and almost killed my wife. And so... <laughs> You've heard my side of the story many times. The thing is, you've never heard her side of the story, unless you know her really well. And, but Debbie, why don't you come up? Give her a warm welcome. All right. Um, I was newly married, and I grew up in a Presbyterian church. And it was a really good church. They preached the gospel. They loved God. They preached the Bible. But it had a very different flavor than a charismatic church. So I am a new bride, and I'm married to this guy who really wants to be in a charismatic church. And I really would have preferred to stay in a little bit more of a conservative church. But um, I went to the charismatic church. So we're in a Bible study one night. I am so new to all of the charismatic type things in a charismatic church. And we're in a Bible study, and a gentleman was sitting across the room from me, and he was just somebody that attended the Bible study. He worked in a factory. He wasn't in ministry or a pastor or anything like that. And the leader of the group is leading, and this gentleman goes, can I say something? And I think I have something from the Lord. And the lady goes, yeah, share what you have. And he looked at me, which freaked me out because this is all so new. And he goes, are you pregnant? And I went, what? No. And he said, oh, okay, never mind. And the lady in that was leading the Bible study said, no, wait, 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 wait. I think you need to share what you heard. And he went, Okay. So he looked at me, and he started speaking to me, and this is what he said. He goes, you need to know that when you go to have this child, everything is going to be fine. And then he kept saying it over and over and over. And by the end of it, he was practically yelling at me. When you go to have this child, everything is going to be fine. Much louder than that. I mean... I was so freaked out. I went home and I went, what was that? And John's like, Deb, just, just put it on a shelf. I'm like, put it on a shelf? What? <laughs> what? So I'm like, okay, that was weird. Just put it on a shelf. We had no plans on having children yet. In fact, we both felt really strongly that it wasn't the right time for us to have kids for whatever reason. We lived in southern Minnesota. We were a long ways away from any really good medical care. 
And um, we were both in college. So we finished college, and then we had a lot of student debt, and I really wanted to be able to not have to work full-time, so we paid off our student debt before we had kids. And then one year, both of us are like, okay, now's the time. We feel like this is the right time to start a family. And in that year, there was a major breakthrough in the medical field that surfactant had come out. And surfactant is a, a synthetic coating that they put in a baby's lungs to line the lungs so that they can breathe. And the mother's body does it naturally in the womb. But when babies are born too early, before that happens in the in the womb, they now had this material, this uh, whatever medicine or whatever that they could give the child to coat their lungs to help them breathe. So anyway, we got pregnant. And about six months into it, I started to become very, very sick. And I was a teacher. I was working in a school, in a Christian school, and there was a major flu epidemic, and half the staff were out, and half the kids, and people were at home and throwing up, and it was just, and it was taking people a long time to get over it. And so I went to the doctor, and my back hurt, and I was, you know, my stomach hurt, and I just wasn't feeling well. And he's like, yeah, you've got that flu that's going around. Just go home and rest. So I went home, and I rested, and I would take a lot of hot baths to try to ease my back pain. And I started throwing up, and 11 days into it, I'm up in the middle of the night crawling on the floor on my hands and knees because my back hurts so bad, and it's the only position to get relief. And I'm taking four two-hour baths, hot baths a day to get relief from this back pain. And it's a Friday night, and I'm on day 11, and I'm starting to get scared. And I called my doctor, who I could tell was at a party, and said... I, I'm scared. Something's not right. And he goes, oh, honey, you're just having trouble getting over that flu. Take two Tylenol. Go to bed. You'll be fine in the morning. I woke up the next morning, and I did feel fine. The back pain was gone. I felt awesome. But I had this bloody nose. It was all over my pillow. There was blood gushing into my stomach, and I couldn't get it to stop. And so I called the hospital to try to figure out, how do I stop this bloody nose? But other than that, I was feeling great. My back didn't hurt anymore. It was awesome. I finally had relief. And it just so happened that the emergency room at the hospital had called in a retired OBGYN because they were so short-staffed. And he was an expert in this in his field. He answered the phone. And I told him what had happened at, you know, in the night. He started asking me questions. How far along are you, honey? And, you know, specific questions about the pregnancy and how I had been feeling. And so I started telling him and he goes, okay, well, I want you to come down to the hospital because I want to cauterize that nose for you. Just make you feel totally a hundred percent because I'm so sorry you've been so sick. And, um, is your husband there? Can you put him on the phone for me, please? You just get ready, honey, and you come on down, and we're going to take care of you. And, and I said, okay, John, he wants to talk to you. And John gets on the phone, okay, okay, yes, sir, all right. He gets off the phone, okay, honey, let's go to the hospital. We go to the hospital, and I'm just really happy. My back doesn't hurt. I'm so happy. And he's really quiet. And I get there, and they immediately rush me into a room. 
pull a curtain, blood pressure, urine test, blood draw, all this stuff. I'm like, you guys, I'm feeling good finally. Why are you all freaked out? I mean, it was really weird. And then the doctor said, you know, John, can you come out? I need to talk to you for a minute. And they pulled him out and they said, your wife is very, very sick. We've called a helicopter. We're flying her to United. This baby's being born now. And at some point in the process, I don't know when, they actually told him, we are going to try to save the baby. We really don't think we can save your wife. And, But he couldn't tell me anything because my blood pressure at that point was so high that at any moment I, they were worried I was going to start seizing and convulsing and then be gone. And they needed to get me to United to have the care for Ethan, and the baby needed to be delivered, but they didn't know how to transport me because ambulance was going to take too long. Helicopter ride was the quickest way, but they were so concerned about putting me on the helicopter because once I was on the helicopter, if I did start seizing and convulsing, there was no way that, there was nothing they could do. I would be gone mid-flight. And so they really struggled, but they decided to go the helicopter route. So the doctor finally comes in and he goes, I can't find any gauze. I can't find anything to cauterize that nose. But you know what? United's got everything. So we're going to get you up there, and we're going to let you take a helicopter ride. What do you think about that? There's no ambulances available, and, you know, this helicopter's here anyway, and they're just on their way up there. So what do you think? Let's hop a ride on a helicopter to United. Let's take care of that bloody nose for you. And I had no clue, obviously, about anything in the medical field at this point. But I wasn't a complete idiot, so I started to realize what is going on? And I started to get scared. And fear started trying to come upon me. And they put me on the gurney, and they rolled me out to the helicopter pad. They're taking me off the gurney on the stretcher, and they're putting me on the helicopter. And at that moment, everything is going to be fine. 12 years later, Everything is going to be fine. And I had complete peace. And I know my blood pressure went down. And if I hadn't had that word, that special word that God gave me, I don't know if I would have survived that flight. And I arrived at United, still alive. They immediately took me into surgery. They let John come in to say his goodbyes to me. I didn't know that's what he was doing. He couldn't tell me that. He had a tear coming out of his eye. And they took me in, and Ethan was born. And I woke up two days later. No back pain. (laughs) But in the process of those 11 days, my doctor had misdiagnosed me. I was asymptomatic, which means I didn't have the usual signs and and symptoms of somebody dealing with the condition that I had, which was, I'm sure you had figured out preeclampsia, but then I also had HELP syndrome. Basically, my kidneys had completely shut down. My liver shut down. Platelets bottomed out. Blood pressure off the charts. I was really, really sick. They really didn't think I would live, but miraculously, I did, and It wasn't just even that moment getting on the helicopter. It was the entire four months after walking through that. 
Ethan being in the NICU, the doctor coming in, he may be blind. He may never hear. He may never learn right. You know, all these words, I'm like, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. And then coming home on a monitor and having to haul him around into stores with the little electrodes and four months of special medication and firemen coming up to me. Hey, is that Ethan Neitzel? Yes. Why? <laughs> oh, um, he's on the board down at the fire station that if your house gets on fire, we have to respond immediately because there's a preemie on the premise that has life support conditions. And then I'd be in another store and somebody from the electric power company would come up. Hey, is that Ethan Neitzel? <laughs> yes. Why? Oh, your name and address is on our board that if you lose power, you're the first house to get it back because he was on... Anyway, it was just a crazy time, four months and then that 11 days of my body shutting down. But in all of it, I just kept hearing, everything is going to be fine. Amen. She ought to do that more often, shouldn't she? Yeah. Ethan, can you stand for just a moment? So that's it. That's it. So he's uh, he's six five, uh, weighs about two thirty, probably somewhere in there. And one of the things they kept saying is, "We're not sure if he's going to thrive." <laughs> We're waiting to see. So, uh, <laughs> but it's good to have. It's that that's that is the common good. And that's why if God gives you something to share, that man almost didn't share it that night because it didn't make sense to him because we were newly married. He says, he says are you pregnant? And we were, both of our looks were like, uh, you know. <clears throat> he almost didn't share. If he hadn't shared it, she wouldn't have had it. You know, and, and she said that her blood pressure was so high, it was 180 over 110. The The... Huh? 120, 180 over 120. The nosebleed was because the blood vessel in her nose burst instead of a, a, a blood vessel in the brain. And they said if that hadn't happened, she could have died. They said, and that's why uh, they told me, they said, you can't even react to this. And they said, this, she is so sick. We, you have, you know, you, we don't know that you, we can save her, but you cannot react because if her blood pressure goes up at all, she could die right there. And so... For her to hear that and be able to say, oh, everything's going to be okay, and that blood pressure to go down in a helicopter ride. That's God. That's God. And that's, that's why a word from the Lord is so important. But we weren't led by it, because if we'd have been led by it, we wouldn't have had a kid. First, you know, right, well, that's, we're supposed to have children right now. And the thing is, the surfactant, the, the thing that matured the lungs, wasn't developed for 10 more years, 11 more years. So, I mean, you don't get led by what somebody says. You just say, okay, God, what does this mean? And how he'll, he'll, it, will, it will be there. There's much more I'm not going to go and talk about anymore. I'm going to turn this over to Peter. Peter has the announcements and offering today. <laughs> 